0: This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we're talking on tap nine point four goodness with new storage protocols and platforms to bring you even more performance. Well,
1: well, 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 well. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh yeah. I love NetApp
2: because it's so funny.
0: Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the studio with a couple, or actually a few people on the studio and the phone here. Uh, so some of our hardware experts and flash experts and NVMe experts, oh my. Um, starting with Dan Isaacs. Hi, welcome back. Hey man, it's, it's great to be back. Yeah, likewise. I'm glad to have you back. So uh, Dan, if people are not familiar with who you are, could you tell them who you are, what you do, and how to find you? Hey Justin, I'm, I'm a... TME
3: with uh, the okay. data, on, data on tap and platforms group. So I focus on uh, MVME stuff uh, on tap performance um, and I'm also doing a little bit of uh,
1: competitive stuff as well.
0: All right, and Mike Peppers, welcome back. Hi. Hey,
1: how are you? Um, You probably want to know who I am as well. I'm Mike Peppers.
0: I don't, but I'm sure everyone (laughs) else does. Someone
1: else might. Um, So I'm also a TME here at NetApp uh, and focus primarily on SAN, uh, NVMe, uh, FlexRay, FLI, uh, and QoS.
0: All right. And on the phone, Chris Luth. Hi. Hey, Justin.
2: And hi, Mike and uh, Dan as well. So you said hi to everybody. That's great. That's such a nice guy. Chris, I, I, so, I, have, I have to ask, Chris,
0: are you wearing a Hawaiian shirt today?
2: I, You know, no. I'm, I'm violating my own brand. Good point. Mm-hmm. I, I was wondering what was going wrong. It was mm-hmm. Monday, one. Then I don't have a Hawaiian shirt on. It's but a I'm case wearing to short, the Mondays. So Got a case to the Mondays. Lost.
0: So everyone here has cool shirts but Dan. Well, actually,
2: Dan's got a cool shirt, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I then, made uh, I'll bore you with some details about me as well. Yeah, so, Chris, uh, Chris, go ahead. Chris Luth, tech marketing engineer, TME. I've uh, been with NetApp. Just over 15 years and since 2005 um, have been working on platforms uh, fast for a long, long time. And then, uh, you know, more more, uh, fun lately with the AFF platform.
0: All right. So you get an idea of what we're going to be talking about today. So ONTAP 9.4, as of this broadcast, uh, is released. So you can go download it today from the Now site. But we're going to talk about what's in it. So um, this particular episode is going to be about NVMe because that's one of the new things that's in it, as well as the new platforms that go along with the new release. And uh, let's start off with NVMe. Mike Peppers, what is NVMe? NVMe is a set of architectural standards
1: uh, and uh, protocols that were designed to modernize uh, access to solid-state storage devices. Uh, It was created by the NVMe uh, Inc or NVM Express, Inc., uh, body, which was put together in order to modernize uh, storage access uh, to bring it in
0: line with uh, Flash. So this is a protocol, not dissimilar to something like SAS, right? Yeah. It's a, well, it's a set of protocols, yes. Yeah. So um, it, can, it can travel or it can be used to attach hardware, such as disk, mm-hmm. or it can be t- used to uh, leverage over fabric so can you tell us a little bit about about the distinction between those two
1: well so you had nvme initially uh, there was an extension to nvme called nvme of or nvme over fabrics where what nvme was doing was is enhancing nvme to uh, add both range and scalability to the original nvme specification which was more the idea of attaching NVMe devices directly to, you know, locally on a server bus, for instance. NVMe OF, on the other hand, is, uses a variety of different transports, like fiber channel or InfiniBand, uh, various flavors of Ethernet, to be able to connect and transport over a uh,
0: uh, network or a fabric. So what makes NVMe better than something like SAS? Uh, in i a can word. take that one. Come on, Chris. Um, <laughs> speak hey, up. Well,
2: Mike, Mike was nailing it, but um, I was, my, my attention span was, you know, I had to, had <laughs> Squirrel. to get out.
0: But anyway, go ahead, Chris. So, go ahead. Yeah,
2: you know, the one, one terrific thing uh, that takes place with NVMe is it gets the whole SCSI stack out the way. Uh, there's no SCSI stack to clog up um, IO to, you know, um, the, the back end storage. Like Mike was saying, it's optimized for flash. Uh, that, that is true, but also getting rid of getting rid of the SCSI stack is why we're seeing higher performance at lower latency with our NVMe flash.
0: So essentially, no SCSI commands have to be transferred, right? No, no conversation between the device and the bus to figure out what's going exactly. on from the SCSI level.
2: Exactly. Yes. What
1: you're literally doing is, is replacing the SCSI three command descriptor blocks that say fiber channel carried and replacing that with NVMe uh, command set, which is a streamlined command set that was written 40 years later than the original SCSI uh, specification. And so there's been some slight advances in computer science in the last 40 years. Yeah, like the zip drive. Sure. <laughs> or the internet for all practical purposes. Um, so there's that. But in addition to that, they also, uh, NVMe specifically designed to eliminate locks, uh, to go with a pulling mode versus an interrupt uh, level you know, mode driver, uh, to reduce context switches. And so the, the sum total of doing all of those things is, is, is that you get a, a very dramatic increase in performance. That is the throughput and at the same time a reduction in latency.
0: Okay, we've been hinting a lot of this performance stuff. I think it's time to let the cat out of that bag. So, Chris, what kind of performance can we expect out of the new platforms? And we'll talk about what those platforms are here in a second, but let's just kind of go with the speeds and feeds first. What can we get out of the new platforms with NVMe?
1: Actually, you you want to ask that question, but you can get some of that better performance out of some existing platforms we have as well. So, just uh, stick a pin in that. So, yeah, let's
0: stick a pin in that. Let's talk about just in general. I mean, there's like the what's, what's the performance you're going to look like on something that you already have? if you upgrade to on tap 9.4 and get that capability of MBME into the soft of uh, the software package. So in some of the testing that we're doing
1: right now, if you look at the A700 um and and look at run, running say oracle type of uh workload against that A700, you might see a 50% improvement. That is amount of throughput with a reduction of maybe 80 uh microseconds per op. That's so good, right? That would be
0: pretty good. It's good? Yeah. Chris, is that good? Uh, yeah, yes. Danf, oh, yeah. Yes. Dan, is that good? Uh, that, that's pretty good. I mean, you're our math guy, so I just want to make sure the numbers check out for you. <laughs> Do we have anything else we want to cover in NVMe before we go on that?
2: One thing to point out is, even though NVMe is a big part of the launch in ONTAP 9.4 and with this new AFS 800, but it's not new to NetApp. It's not new to ONTAP. We've shipped um, NVMe Flash now on our hybrid fast systems. Uh, since 2016, and actually have over 20 petabytes of NVMe working with ONTAP out in the field and customer solutions. So we we know a thing or two about how to optimize uh, Flash using the NVMe interface.
1: Chris, would it be fair to say that we've shipped far more NVMe than, say, any of our competitors, including ones that make more noise about it?
2: I would say that's a very, very, very accurate statement, Mike.
0: I also would like to add that as of 9.4 aren't we the first end-to-end NVMe? Right? Uh technically yes and no. So
1: actually we are the first end-to-end NVMe uh with the EF570. Well, for NVMe yeah. NVMe over InfiniBand, the first NVMe uh over uh Fibre Channel is going to be is 9.4 and so we were the first and second. <laughs>
2: That's good. Oh, That's there's good. there's the, there's the other first in there too, with the first vendor to have a uh, 32 gig fiber channel. Uh, but they they you know we launched 40 gig Ethernet back in 2016, and um, you know now we have 100 gig Ethernet. So what sort of things can hundred gig
0: hundred gig Ethernet bring to me from an on tap feature set?
2: Um, you know when we launched 40 gig Ethernet, uh, a lot of customers were were making the leap straight to 100 gig. Ethernet. They, they weren't going to do a speed bump at 40 gigs. So uh, for the most demanding applications and our biggest customer base, they're, they're pretty excited about 100 gig Ethernet.
1: Whether you're talking about 32 gig fiber channel or 100 gig Ethernet, basically what you're talking about is, is, this, is you, you want to have the biggest, widest, uh, you know, most lanes on your highway possible so that you can get the most throughput possible. I mean, that's pretty much the name of the game. It, it, it seems odd that you would say that you were incredibly fast and yet don't have anywhere near the fastest uh, interface. I mean, you, you basically have a uh, a block right there that is going to slow you down.
3: Yeah, there's there's really no point in having an MVME platform if you're going to continue to use the same uh, high overhead uh, attach protocols.
0: So, Chris, uh, hundred gig Ethernet is going to bring us stuff like MetroCluster over IP, right?
2: Well, you know, uh, actually, Justin, been there, done that. We're, we're supporting uh, MetroCluster over IP with the AFS A700, um, but it is at 40 gig Ethernet speed. Well, uh, I mean, Ed,
0: I mean, the, fully more fully fledged, more fully baked, more readily uh, supported with all sorts of different aspects. Because right now there's like a limitation of distance, right? So this larger pipe could potentially help us get more feature parity with fiber channel, correct? you got it.
2: And, and and the other nice thing with uh, MCC over IP, at least on the AFF 800, is we get advanced drive partitioning, too. So not only do you have 100 gig speeds um, for faster you know, synchronization across sites, but you also get better storage efficiency with ADP. And, mm. you know, not to worry if you have one of those A700s uh, running MCC over IP at 40 gig. Uh, one One of the very wonderful features with this 100 gig ASIC is it will auto range down to 40 gig speeds, and you don't have to do anything in on tap or maintenance mode like we did with the 40 gig. Simply plug in the SFP QSFP, sorry, uh, that that meant well is used on our 40 gig cables, and it will down rev too. So uh, if, it kind of makes it very flexible, at least for plugging into existing 40 gig environments, both for cluster interconnects or with NCC over IP. Okay,
0: cool. So, Mike, um, we're doing NVMe over fiber channel. What was the business decision behind doing that as opposed to going over another uh, transport method?
1: The reason why NetApp decided to innovate uh, with NVMe uh, FC or uh, NVMe over fiber channel is is this is because NVMe is predominantly a performance play. If you look at block protocols and performance with block protocols right now, almost 100% of that is over fiber channel. Almost all of our customers are running fiber channel. Almost everybody running ASAN, uh, about 80% or better, is fiber channel. And so all of that, plus, because you're using fiber channel as a transport, you can potentially use fiber channel protocol as well as NVMe FC over exactly the same uh, HBA cable switch ports and so you can actually run both concurrently over exactly the same gear and if you've bought modern gear so in other words you have a gen 5 or 6 uh, switch from brocade say a 16 or 32 gig switch uh, 32 gig HBAs uh, from Emulex and uh, uh, NetApp A700, A700S, or A300 right now, you would be able to upgrade to ONTAP 9.4. So with a simple software upgrade, you'd be able to start using NVMe FC. Any other choice that we had, any other NVMe over fabric, there would be additional shims and it would be a somewhat more disruptive uh, process to actually bring up, and then lastly, What we found is this is while there are lots of uh, organizations out there that are currently running 32 gig fiber channel, there aren't that many that have made a substantial investment in the very uh, uh, high speed data center switches in the 40 or 100 gig uh, switch range. They're still fairly expensive and just not as
0: common. So is this a licensed yeah. thing? I mean, do you have to turn on, you know, enable a license for NVMe, or does it just come with the OnTap release? There is an
1: NVMe license uh, that you will start using in uh, an upcoming version of OnTap, and that's for the uh,
3: you know, NVMe over
1: Fiber Channel license. Well, actually, it's just NVMe. No, just NVMe. Mm-hmm. A- any NVMe over you know, really, basically,
2: Chris. You, you know what's really exciting about the the feature? That Mike pointed out that comes in on TAP 9.4 is NVMe uh, connectivity, N10 is disruptive technology. What NetApp's able to do is allow you to deploy disruptive technology non disruptively.
1: It, it actually goes even, it, it uh, it's an even more fun story to tell than that because, so in fact, you could take a server and run uh, FCP. Uh, to FC LUNs as well as run uh, NVMe FC to namespaces over, you know, from the same server. So you could have one application running FCP and another one running uh, NVMe FC through exactly the same physical infrastructure. I mean, literally the same ports cable and so forth, which means that you can dip your toe in the water and you can essentially adopt as quickly or as slowly and at whatever pace you like. You, because we support both concurrently.
0: Okay, cool. Can't get much easier than that. I would imagine not. I mean, not having to unplug anything or reboot anything other than the, nope. the you know the, not the failover givebacks on the cluster. So you
1: don't even have to make
0: any new zones. Wow, it's pretty cool. So let's talk about the new platforms. So Chris Yay. alluded to the A eight hundred. He kind of gave away the name, but let's go ahead and talk about that one. Uh, so I like to call it the little AFF that could because it's pretty small footprint there. So Chris, uh, could you tell us all about what's coming in the A800 platform?
2: I'd love to, but I should give a shout out to Dan who uh, actually put together the requirements document for what became the AFF A800. So kudos, who, who's, to Dan, Dan,
0: your job. who's Dan? Who's that, Dan? That's me. Oh, that's that, that Dan.
1: <laughs> yeah, wasn't Dan almost? That's Dan. Wasn't Dan almost the yeah. midwife?
0: Midwife?
3: No, I, 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 uh, I conceived the platform, and like a good father, I, I've, I've returned for, for the delivery. So
0: you went out for really milk, done. but you came back? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Excellent. Chris, go ahead.
2: So the new AFS a 800 uh, little known fact, Dan Isaacs, who's on the podcast with us today, uh, actually wrote the requirements for what became the AFS 800 So good job, Dan. Uh, Thank you, Chris. Yeah, you've, you've, you've inspired an outstanding product. What well, makes an outstanding product um, versus you know the uh, the previous model. So um, performance is always you know something uh, that, that turns heads, and in this case with the AF- you know and the thing is uh, we've been making on tap improvements over the years. So the systems with higher core counts tend to get performance uh, bumps or increases in new on tap releases. So in a sense, the tide raises all boats, but still. Uh, the new A800 brings about 30 to 60% better uh, performance versus the previous models, but also at lower latency. And that's bringing into play the NVMe uh, SSDs, both NVMe connectivity from the host to the back-end storage. So um, performance good. Uh, It introduces, um, so it's a 4U chassis, and it has, instead of the previous 4U chassis, the A700S, uh, with 24 internal SSDs, the A800 actually has 48 internal SSDs, and it doesn't stop there. The SSDs on the A800 are also NVMe SSDs, so uh, a revolutionary new technology. And as a result, we're not really saying that you transition from, say, an A700S to an A800. This platform so different, new, and has so many uh, features that we're positioned as just you know a completely different new high-end system. Uh, a few other factoids about the platform is we have two onboard 100-gig Ethernet ports, uh, and the base configuration includes two 100-gig uh, Ethernet ports that go in adapter and slot one. And the way connectivity works is you use two 100-gig ports for your HA interconnects. So we can synchronize NV uh, log activity across nodes. And then you use another 200 gig ports for your cluster interconnect. And, and typically, on our HA interconnects, we have a, a active path and a passive path. So really, the path is just standby in case something happens with the active path. In the case of the A800, it has such high-end performance that we actually had to do two active paths. So this is the first time we've actually had to do that, uh, have two active paths. So think, Think of the, the write performance that you get. One, uh, we've moved the NVRAM functionality to a non-volatile DIM, So it's not on a PCIe bus. It's actually on a memory bus. So you have faster uh, write latency as a result. And then we're synchronizing across nodes at uh, really 2x 100 gig Ethernet speed. So uh, the, that's where a bunch of backend performance comes on the 800.
3: Chris, what other types of HBAs uh, can we can configure on the uh, a800
2: a good question dan so one of the drawbacks with the a700s was we had limited configuration there was reason for that uh we wanted to get that system out on the market uh so so time to market was one of the high priorities uh and that meant not not testing out numerous configurations with the a800 you have complete flexibility so there besides the one adapter that goes in slot one or four other slots just like with the a700s You have complete freedom. You can put uh, any and all adapters into those four slots based on the customer's need. Uh, The one uh, thing to keep in mind is we max out at three um, 100 gig adapters. So you can't put four 100 gig adapters, but you can add a a few more to complement the one in slot one. And if you want to know what those connect, what type of options you have, well, obviously 100 gig Ethernet, which also uh, can do 40 gig. Uh, we have a quad port, 10-gig Ethernet card, just because some customers still require that connectivity. Um, obviously, 32-gig fiber channel. We have a quad port version of that. And we do support a SAS adapter, just in case, let's say you want to, and you'd be very wise to do so, upgrade an existing AFF to an A800. Um, you're going to have external SAS SSDs, so we do support a SAS adapter make upgrades possible.
0: So what other sorts of um, feature functionality are we getting with that A800? I know one thing that we were looking at was larger uh, boot devices, right? So what does that bring us?
2: So, yeah, so what we're doing differently, um, it, we, we always have to carve out enough uh, root aggregate space so we can copy off two core files, maintain a set of two core files. And core files were a function of the amount of memory. So the more memory in a system, generally is good, better performance, but the size we had to carve out um, a capacity to maintain them was also getting big. So one difference with the 800 uh, and actually uh, we're gonna do this on all platforms going forward, including the new entry-level model, the A220, FFA220 slash FAS2700, is instead of taking up Based on hard drives, we actually write out the core files to the flash boot device. As a result, what would have been um, a, well over a terabyte of uh, lost capacity for core files uh, meant we were able to decrease the root uh, aggregate to something like 160 uh, gigabytes. So, big, big storage efficiency improvement there.
3: Yeah, I think I think on the uh, A800 since the. The way the math worked out was, because I am the math guy, the way the math worked out was uh, the amount of system memory times three is basically how big your root volumes had to be. Um, with the new new manner of taking cores, uh, now we only need the root volume to be as big as the files required for ONTAP to be installed and run.
0: Yeah, the uh, number that I was hearing thrown around was 700% less space well, with root aggregates. So.
3: Uh, prior to this change uh, in how we were handling core files, on an A800, we would have had uh, two and a half terabyte root volumes, um, which is quite a, quite a bit when, when you're talking about rather expensive NVMe flash uh, media. Uh, so instead of two and a half terabytes, I think it's 185 gigabytes uh, that will be needed for, uh, 8. for 9.4.
0: And this can all be done with ADP as well, so you're still getting that space efficiency. Oh, ab- right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, what about older systems? Can I retrofit like larger boot devices onto those, or is that something that's just not going to happen? Uh, no, it's it's uh, going to be a, a, a feature. It's going to be a feature
3: that's only on our. No, this feature is only going to be available on uh, current platforms and you know future platforms. It's not going to be uh, backwards compatible with. Uh, any existing uh, FAS or AFS systems. Okay.
1: Makes but sense. you know what you can yeah, do so with this newer platform? <coughs> you can use exactly the yeah. same ONTAP and the same uh, on command system manager and the same uh, on command unified manager, performance manager, exactly the same tools and exactly the same administration management configuration you always use.
2: So we do, you know, to, to further Dan's point, we do support um, uh, non disruptive upgrades, including. Uh, Aggregate, aggregate, relocate, ARL, Um, and there are scenarios. So every A800 will ship with either 24, 36, or 48 internal uh, NVMe SSDs, Uh, and by default, uh, OnTap will, uh, you know, uh, partition the drives with ADP and install a root uh, volume on them. But let's say you want to upgrade a uh, previous AFF model. You can do an ARL and end up with the root volume on external storage. We do support that. Uh, and, and you only expect it to be sort of like a natural outcome as part of the upgrade process.
0: So, what's the drive size that we're supporting in the A800s for their first release?
2: So, the, the thing is, I mentioned earlier that the uh, NVMe SSDs capacity points are going to lag SAS SSDs. You know, it's it's going to take some time for it to catch up, but it will hit critical mass at some point and, you know, have parity with their previous generation cousins. Uh, But we launch with 1.9 terabyte, uh, 3.8, and 7.6 terabytes. Then the August Quote Tool, uh, Plan a Record, is going to have 15.3 terabyte um, NVMe SSDs. The other word to get out there is NetApp Storage Encryption, NSC. So we're going to have a 3.8 uh, terabyte NSC drive that will also come out in that August Quote Tool time frame.
0: Yeah, and that's just the encrypted drives. So you can also get encryption with ONTAP itself with the NVE feature, NetApp Volume Encryption. So if you can't or you don't want to wait for the larger drives for the encryption, you can always use the software-based encryption until the NSC drives catch up. You bet. Good point. So... We aren't uh, supporting the super-large drives that are coming out with ONTAP 9.4 with the A800, but let, tell us a little bit about that, uh, what's coming in the in ONTAP 9.4 time frame for those.
2: Like, what size are we getting? So we're getting, actually, you know, so NetApp's beating everybody to the punch, you know, many, many, many times, uh, and including with SSD capacity points. So first to market as soon as they come out with the new size. And the latest size is going to be 30 uh uh, terabyte uh, SSDs, and that's available on, uh, you know, the A700, A700S. You could put them on an A300, and heck, you can even put them on a FAS, hybrid FAS system as well, but it's fully quotable uh, in the May Quote tool and uh, supported everywhere except internally on the A800 simply because it's going to take some time to get the NVMe version of the 30 terabyte SSD.
0: Yeah, so these are all SAS-attached SSDs for yeah. the 30 terabyte. Yep. Yes. Okay. So there was another feature um, with these larger drives that is intriguing in ONTAP 9.4. Um, so when you initialize a system or you have to initialize a drive, you are basically setting it and then walking away and coming back tomorrow. So what are we adding in ONTAP 9.4 to improve that?
2: Well, you know is- we've all known known the pain of. Yeah, exactly what you said, Justin. You know, hit initialize and then go away for a day or two, uh, and it was really painful on the SATA slash NL SAS drives. Uh, and, and you know, internally, it, it, it we go through the same pain as our customers. It takes forever for some of these. You know, if you're in the lab uh, and you just want to do some quick testing, you have to initialize the system. Uh, don't be in a hurry. Uh, so, it, it, and the RAID team also, you know, they have to test out. Uh, you know newer versions on tap They suffer through this as well so what they did on tap 9.4 is added a new feature called fast zeroing literally instead of zeroing the disk drives uh, you know watching the little lights blink uh, a few times a second for hours and hours and hours uh, now it just clears out a table uh, that, that you know raid had in the label it basically tells on tap that the drive is empty and as a result the amount of time it takes to do this fast zeroing, pretty much instantaneous. You hit you hit the command, and all the data is gone.
3: Yeah, we we had been actually doing this for years in the lab with uh, internal builds of OnTap, a label wipe or whatever. Well, no, not label wipe. There was a, a, I think it was not sure if it was hidden. It's been a while since I've had to use it, but uh, there was a, a, a secret uh, boot
2: command that you could use to uh, uh, not physically yeah, so- zero the drives. So, sometimes, sometimes we actually didn't do parity, uh, which, which essentially is what Dan was mentioning. It saves a lot of time. We don't initialize, uh, but also you don't get parity, and that's not what we want customers doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we also uh,
3: with uh, FlexArray, where we're uh, we don't have disk drives. We have uh, array luns. Uh, this is what we're doing with disks now is essentially what we were doing
0: with um, array luns uh, for the last uh, fifteen years. So you're not really getting rid of the data. You're getting rid of the basically the labels, right? I mean, the data is still pretty much there. You're just basically overwriting it and assuming it's gone, right?
2: Yes. yes. Yep. So the data is still there. Um, probably a, a waffle ninja could you know, recover the data, if, if, but uh, open support case if that happens. But uh, for, certainly the data is there, but uh, it would take some intervention to get it usable again. So when you get this, initialization plan just figure the data went bye-bye as well.
0: Yeah, and I ask not because necessarily if I lose my da- my disk or I accidentally delete something I want to get it back, but more of for pub, you know the USPS secure sites. Um fast zeroing probably is not going to be an option for them. They're going to have to go through the regular drive wipe stuff.
2: Yeah, and they, so they, they tend to use so earlier when you mentioned uh netapp volume encryption, uh, the difference is that's not FIPS 2 certified, so uh, U.S. public sector and, and security-minded customers would also want NSE uh, for uh, more protection. But in general, some of those accounts don't return failed drives anyway. They have a sport policy that says uh, no return parts. Well, actually, and, um, so we never get those drives back anyhow.
0: Actually, NVE is now FIPS 140-2 certified. And we've added mm-hmm. the feature of Secure Purge, which we'll talk about in another episode here. We won't go into that Particular detail here. but Didn't that certification hinge on
1: having an external key manager? It did. We also have that. We had that, I think, in 9.3. No,
0: I'm saying that yeah.
1: I, I think that that was the, the hinge that was yeah. required to, yeah. to get that FIPS2, so,
0: that and then not it. So stay tuned. We'll have a security features update yeah. for f
3: 9.4. <coughs> that reminds me, Justin, uh, something we we uh, forgot to talk about when we talked about the new way that we're doing cores. Uh, it, when we take cores now, they're actually being written uh, encrypted. So previously they weren't encrypted, um, which was a problem for many of our secure sites, our customers with secure sites. Um, so uh, now they're encrypted, and you'll be able to uh, use your external, the same external key manager you use for your um, for your NSE
1: drives to. Be manage to, the keys so, to be able to manage, to read the encrypted. So if or, the
0: cores are encrypted, how do they ship them to us to, for us to read them or do we have to read them on site?
1: That I don't know.
0: I would guess you'd have to read those on site. I think I think that's what we do for a lot of secure customers anyway, is we send somebody on site to analyze cores because we can't send them off site. So that might be something that's happening. I don't know. We'll figure that out. and we'll, we'll
2: let everybody know. All right. So those no. are some. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. So in, on the other side, so we added the ability to encrypt uh, NV log data. Uh, you know, if there was an unplanned outage, you know, you lost power, and uh, so we've been storing it to flash for a long, long time, um, persistent write log that way. Uh, and in 2016, we started encrypting it. The NVMe, uh, excuse me, the NVDimm standard uh, doesn't have encryption as part of the features so uh one thing to note is the um nv log content uh, won't be encrypted if if it's destaged staged to flash so a little bit of difference there but it's worth people knowing um generally you know trying to recreate nv log data uh, would be a waffle ninja uh probably five people on the planet could do it but nonetheless uh, the nv log data won't be encrypted
0: so you mentioned NVLog, and I don't know if you already covered this for the A800. So forgive me if I ask again, but we also basically did away with the NVM or the NV RAM cards, right? We put those on board.
2: Correct. So not just on board, but uh, on the memory bus. So uh, NV DIM, non-volatile DIM, looks well. It, it looks kind of like you know DIMs you've known and loved for a long time, but it also has uh, some logic on it too of uh, FPGA. Um, and some flash. And, and the way it works is uh, if, if there's an unplanned power outage, the contents of the dims, which is going to have the NV log content of you know write data we've accepted but haven't yet put to disk but acknowledged to the host. So it's going to use the dims just like we do on you know NV RAM adapters or, or even NV mem uh, on systems where we just carve out some physical memory. It's going to work the same way, but if the outage happens, the logic on that NVDIM simply takes the contents of the DIMMs and puts it into Flash.
0: What does that give us in terms of benefits? Well, it gives you a, an HBA slot. Okay, that's one thing. But putting it onto Flash, I mean, does okay. it buy us anything in terms of failover times, or does it buy anything in terms of
2: resiliency? So resiliency, yeah. So uh, 2010 was the first time we started storing NV log content to Flash that the old approach of having a battery to make sure the dim stayed refreshed for a minimum of three days. Uh, and if you think about some of the, the unfortunate disasters we've had, you know, the hurricane in Houston, um, you know, just, just pick your, you know, the hurricanes that hit Puerto Rico, just pick your disaster, and you're not going to get power in three days. You might not get power for three months. So what that does, if it goes on flash, you have a persistent uh, right record of all the data that hasn't been committed to drives yet. So it, it gives you the ability to have, and, and when I've talked about this feature to customers, they said, well, doggone it. That makes you a tier one storage uh, vendor, you know, by their definition. So um, I always thought we were tier one. But, yeah, what's up with know, just that, just we've always been tier one. That's customers just like, say.
0: we're tier zero now.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so again, revisiting the Dim. Um, It doesn't have to go out to the PCIe uh, bus. Uh, It doesn't take up a slot like Dan mentioned. Uh, Instead, it's uh, on a memory bus. So it's just faster. It's faster to get data to it. And then with the 100 gig connectivity times two between the nodes uh, to to synchronize NV log, it it just cuts down uh, write latency significantly. So big performance boost on this box just based on that feature. Nice.
0: Oh, I did not know that about the persistent Envy log. That's good to know. All right. Enough about the 800, even though it's awesome. Let's talk about the smaller boxes, the entry-level platforms. Uh, A220, and it was at the FAS 27, what is it? 2700, yeah. 2700, is it the 2700?
1: Yeah, Twenty
0: seven hundreds? that 2700 series it, it, is 2720
1: and yeah. 50, is that right?
0: I think so, yeah.
2: So, Chris, yeah, so, tell, tell us about those. Hey, Oh, boy, I get to talk about more hardware. This is yay. good. So, me,
0: Dan, Dan, are you good over there? <laughs> so
3: I'm, I'm just bringing up Scott's presentation. Okay, so,
0: Chris,
2: continue. Hey, So, yeah, so the new entry-level system, as the previous uh, generation, comes out in two different personalities. One is the traditional hybrid FAS, and the other is the all-flash FAS personality. So, um, in the case of the FAS twenty-seven hundred hybrid, you have two choices. One is the twelve internal large form factor uh, drives; those uh, will be NL SAS or SSDs. And you know, so you could have sort of like a flash pool. And then the uh, the other model will be the FAS twenty-seven fifty. They'll have twenty-four internal uh, drives, small form factor. It those could be either 10K SAS or SSDs as well. Um, performance wise, we're seeing about a 30% jump uh, versus the previous generation entry level system. Uh, how do you do that? How did we do that? Uh, more cores. So it's the same processing architecture, uh, Broadwell DE, um, but just way more cores in uh, this particular model. Uh, what's some other neat features uh, associated with it? So one thing we learned at launch uh, for the previous generation entry level system, and we've we've seen it repeatedly on you know some of the net net app groups, is the need for RJ 10 gig base d connectivity uh, you know, in the entry level space. And as a result, we got this platform out the door quickly, so we can make sure that is that uh, connectivity. You know, so we were. First, to have 10 gig base T connectivity, you know, some number of years back, I think 2014, but it seemed like it was slow to adopt. And now it's just, you know, it's predominant out in the field. So that was, that was a big driver in, in the refresh for the entry level system. So, better performance um, via the magic of more cores and the uh, uh, extra connectivity options, uh, either UTA2 or 10 gig base T.
0: And we'll be able to do NVMe on these as well, right? So just on tap nine point four upgrade gives you the NVMe capability, right? Well, the NVMe over fabrics. Yes, yes. I, yeah. So I'll, I'll be more specific. Yes, NVMe over fabric, not the drive attached,
2: right? Correct. Well, so the the UK two ports don't. They, I've always have to, uh, always have to be cautious when I'm saying NVMe anything in front of my. But the uh, UK two ports don't support NVMe connectivity. There you go. So You won't get that in.
1: You, N- you have N- to have a 32-gig N- HBA, oh, and yeah, the, sure the UTA-2 sure. would be a 16-gig. And so, so we can't do NVMe cannot this. Cannot do that. Thank you for correcting me. By the way, one other thing to think about with uh, NVMe uh, over fiber channel is, 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 is that the first iteration, which is introduced with 9.4, uh, does not have uh, HA. That is to say that you cannot do a failover of paths. NVMe paths. It does not affect any other protocol on the controller. But NVMe itself does not support failover. And there's an excellent reason why it doesn't. That is, is that the specification did not have a protocol or specification for how you managed failover and (laughs) multiple paths. And so NetApp engineered one. That's and, good. That's good. And wrote a couple of technical proposals, which is what NVME calls an RFC. Uh, 404, which was ratified uh, March of 18. Is that and, the page not found protocol? Uh, no. Or I'm sorry, not 404,
0: 4004. <laughs> oh, okay. It's a
1: little different. <laughs> yeah. Um, and 4028, uh, which was uh, ratified in January. So those two protocols are basically the birth of ANA or Asymmetric Namespace Access Protocol, which will work much the way Alua does as a way to manage lots of paths and be able to fail over between them.
0: So not only are we one of the first adopters and deliverers of NVMe, we are also contributors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want something done right. You got to do it yourselves, right? We're not. We're not only <laughs> the members of the MVME club. We're also the presidents. Yep, <laughs> no, we're not. We're not the presidents. Anyway, um, so yeah, it's kind of interesting. They didn't think about failover for that protocol when they were writing it's just, it. just it's it's that new. Yeah, but I mean that's like one of those things you would. It should be in version one, right? It's a pretty standard thing. Uh, well, the reason they didn't is this is because initially it, this is an extension of
1: a protocol that is specifying how you connect to a server, how you connect drives, for instance, to a server. You, the, the, the concept of failover simply didn't exist for that.
0: Oh, okay. So the intent was never really to put it over like a fabric and have clients attaching across networks it was direct attached that was the initial protocol.
1: and and you know so this is an extension to that but so as a result they had simply had not thought that through
0: okay that makes sense so dan um i know we're getting 100 gig ethernet are we getting any switches along with that oh we are brand, brand new
3: switches available. brand new
0: switches can yes. we can we talk about that a little bit
3: um i don't have a lot of the details about it but uh, just that they'll be available Uh, Yeah, we'll have a 100-gig cluster interconnect switch available with the uh, MayQuote tool. So uh, when you order a new A800, uh, you'll be able to order a 100-gig cluster
2: interconnect switch with it. Excellent. We're always excited to be first to market with high-speed connectivity, uh, including that 100-gig Ethernet switch. But if you have existing clusters and you know who you are, good. Um, You know, one of the things we've seen... Uh, you know, and, and over the past few years, is initially clusters went. You know, when we went from HA pairs in seven mode, uh, C dot or cluster data on tap tended to be, you know, two node clusters. But we've seen the number of nodes in a cluster just continue to ramp. Uh, and if you have one of those clusters running uh, uh, 40 gig, you simply just plug in your new A800 into that 40 gig infrastructure and away you go. So 100 gig, yes, good, but uh, it doesn't mean you have to do a big upgrade to be able to plug this into your existing cluster.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's an Im- important to mention that it's it's not required. Uh, it's just available if,
0: if you'd like to go in that direction. It's also good to have, if you have a cluster to implement storage tiers, right? You have performance tiers, you have capacity tiers, you can segment off your traffic based on what kind of heads you have in your cluster. It can be all in the same namespace, easy to access, Lots of good things about having a cluster with multiple types of hardware within it.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. One, one other learning experience uh, based on the 40-gig cluster interconnects from the previous generation is um, it, it can be challenging to you know, plug into your existing cluster network um, and do an upgrade. So we do support 10-gig connectivity primarily for upgrading to an A800. We wouldn't want to see you run long-term uh, in production using the 10-gig cluster interconnects. Uh, simply because you're going to handicap the box and not get, Optimal performance out of
1: it so one other thing uh you can manage uh nvme uh, much the way that you can manage any of the other uh unified protocols that we support so you can use all of them or some of them uh on a box and you can uh, do about 85 or 90 percent of everything you need to do administratively using on command system manager which is on box uh as well as, as uh unified manager and performance manager or if you like uh uh Uh, batches, and uh, uh, the command line, you can use the command line.
0: Yeah, on on tap 9.4, actually, the system manager GUI is getting even better, um, much more robust, adding a lot more feature functionality and ability to do things in there. So keep keep on plugging away with that, um, and you eventually will never have to enter the command line again.
3: I will always use the command line.
0: I will, too, because I'm stubborn and grumpy. (laughs) Those those are the two unknown dwarfs. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dan, Chris, Mike. Thanks so much for joining us today. Again, if you want to reach you, how do we reach you, Dan?
3: Uh, you can hit me up on the Twitter. I'm at Dan Isaacs, or you can shoot
1: me an email, just Isaacs, I S A A C S, at NetApp.com. Mike on the Twitter, uh, NTAP, F L I Guy, or M at NetApp.com.
2: And Chris. I'm, I'm a traditionalist. Uh, email works the best, L U E T H at NetApp.com. Carrier Pigeon. Pony
0: Express, no? Yeah? Skip.
2: That's what Skip uses. Yeah. Oh, Skip, Skip seems <laughs> even worse. He uses cash uh, down in the cafeteria when buying lunch. What? <laughs> he also uses yes. spaces instead of tabs.
0: <gasps> <laughs> okay, let's not pick on Skip anymore. All right. And AOL. And AOL. No, we can't <laughs> use that anymore. It's gone. <laughs> that, was, that was I the mean, last I, I
2: get... I get flashbacks to Naga Heights sofas when Skip buys lunch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Does he also cover it all in plastic? <laughs> <laughs> just,
2: just, just,
0: Don't sit on the plastic. <laughs> All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via TechonTechPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire TechonTech Tech podcast team, I'd like to thank Dan Isaacs, Mike Peppers, and Chris Luth for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening.